We have two readings from God's word this evening. The first from Isaiah chapter 40 and the second from Romans chapter 11. But first of all, please do turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to start at verse 25. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Our second reading from God's word this evening is from Romans chapter 11. So please do turn with me to Romans chapter 11 and we're going to start at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is God's word. Evening, everyone. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our great God and Father, we thank you and praise you for you are the everlasting God. And please be at work even now amongst us, strengthening us with the truths of your word. Would you help us to hope in you, to wait upon you and know the rest that Jesus brings. Know the confidence that you are the one who is working out all good things in your time. Please be at work. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was a few weeks ago now. I think March the 21st was a Saturday night. And a friend of mine who's a hospital consultant texted and said, OK, um, numbers are starting to ramp up a little bit now. It's my first time in uh, intensive care tomorrow uh, with numbers of coronavirus going up. Uh, I just, can you send me a verse once a week? to encourage me that I can memorise and uh, keep me going uh, in the, the, the mayhem in uh, ICU. And so I think instinctive, because uh, I think it's wonderful. Uh, I sent Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 28 to 31. I thought, what could be more encouraging than that? And he replied and said, it's a bit long, to be honest, it's a bit long. Um, I'm under pressure and I need to, something I can memorise. All right. How about just verse 31? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk 
and not be faint. It is a wonderful truth. Not primarily when it was first written for those who are struggling physically with physical exhaustion and no doubt uh, those on the front line in intensive care, uh, some of you have known just physical exhaustion, but more the emotional, I can't go on, is what's being spoken of here. And particularly those who are wearied by circumstances and therefore asking God, how can you allow this to happen? That's what they're asking in Isaiah 40. You could be asking it now. God, how can you be allowing COVID-19 to happen? How is it fair when the poorest and the oldest uh, and those from a, a, a BAME background are affected disproportionately. How is that fair in some sort of virus? Lord, how is what's going on in my life fair? Why is it my family that have died? Why is it my job that has gone? Why is it my business that has collapsed? Why me? How is it fair? What are you doing? Those are the questions that are being asked here. This uh, third and final look then at uh, Isaiah chapter 40, we've been saying that uh, it's written to a people who are broken, battered. Uh, their land has been invaded and conquered. They've been taken off into exile uh, and so are locked up in Babylon, not in their land. Their land is uh, under occupation. They're miserable. And they're asking, verse, or they're saying rather, verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. They're exhausted by the circumstances of life, bewildered by what's taking place. Or in the language of the text in particular, four times we get it, and as similar words as well, they're weary. They're weary, weary, weary. And the promise of the text is that if you hope in God, trust him, wait upon him, he will give you the strength you need when you're weary, when you're only just keeping going, when you're only just keeping going in your faith, when you're bewildered by life. And where do I go? Trust, hope, wait upon the Lord. He'll give you the inner resources that you lack. It's a short passage, isn't it? We're going to look at it like this. The, um, the complaint of the weary, then the God who never wearies, uh, and the implication of that. Let the weary wait upon him. Okay, just those three. First then, the complaint of the weary is verse 27. Now this verb has an ongoing sense to it. So why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? As I said, it's uh, why do you keep on complaining? Why do you continue to say God doesn't care is the gist of what's here. It's the prevailing mood in the culture. Why do you keep on and on about this? God says. Now, their questions, I think you don't want to identify a difference between a, a struggling faith that still calls to God, laments, we've been thinking about elsewhere, but complains rightly to God, but does it to him. And then a sort of hardened, cynical, I'm done 
And this here, it seems much more the former. So the questions, my way is hidden from the Lord, that is his personal name that he's given. They've not ignored him. He's not just talking about a God. The question is asked, is my cause disregarded by my God? Again, still personal. So here is, I think, questions of struggling faith. We're just about hanging on is what's here. Now, what are they asking? They're all saying, rather, my way is hidden from the Lord. My way, that is uh, my daily walk, the, the, the pattern of my life. God doesn't care about the sort of ongoing circumstances is what's being said. More serious is my cause is disregarded by my God. The word cause, normally uh, translated in Isaiah as justice, mishpat, justice, 43 times. So to say that God doesn't care about justice, that's a big deal, because throughout the book, he says he cares deeply about justice, mishpat, his right ordering of all in creation. The passages throughout the book which speak of the Messiah, some of those we have read at Christmas or, or sung of in Handel's Messiah, when he comes, Isaiah 6, 11, um, chapters, and he'll bring a land of perfect justice. We'll get to the servant songs in later chapters, 42. He is one who will bring justice. Justice is a key feature of what the Messiah, Jesus, of course, will bring. So to say that God doesn't care about justice, that's, that's quite an accusation. That is a real attack upon the heart of his character. So what they're saying is, look, the situation in our world, God, the circumstances of my life, the apparent injustice that we see, what are you doing? It's tiring to me, Lord. It gets me down. It makes me wonder, why am I still going with you? Why would I begin to start trusting you? That's the complaint of the weary. Not unfamiliar, I don't think. The complaint of the weary. Uh, secondly, though, let's look then at the Lord who never wearies. Just verses uh, 28 and 29. Because, essentially, uh, Isaiah says, no, look, we need to remember who we're talking about here. Verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Same questions we get asked in uh, verse 21. Uh, five things. Very quickly, five things are said about this God. First, the Lord is the everlasting God. You and I are locked into um, one moment in time. 2020 is a pretty weird year. We'll always remember it. But God is everlasting. He is outside of time, beyond time, above time. However you want to phrase it. Therefore, his perspective is far, far greater than ours. We struggle to know things that are outside of our own lifetimes. I did a history degree. I was a history teacher uh, for a number of years, but I've started listening to a, a podcast, The Rex Factor, uh, which is about kings and queens of England. Well, to my great surprise, it starts off when there are 14 kings, 14 episodes before 1066. Well, everyone knows English history begins in 1066. I'd only heard of three or four of them. These, who are these random people that uh, were kings of England before there was an England? What's, what's all that about? My knowledge is very limited. 
God is timeless. He's the everlasting God. Uh, secondly, he, um, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. Not just locked into one moment in time. You and I are pretty much locked into one place in geography. Our houses at the moment. But even when we're not, and eventually we can travel, there are some places, I mean, some of us who are world citizens care about multiple places around the world, but not everywhere. The Lord is the creator of the ends of the earth. He knows every tribe that you can't pronounce, every little island that you've not got a clue about. He knows them all. Very different from us. He never tires. Uh, still in verse uh, 28, he will not grow tired or weary. Now, you and I are tired faster than ever at the moment, I think. Uh, Zoom calls, ooh, everyone talk about Zoom fatigue. Uh, but then just the, the exhaustion, having to uh, make decisions quickly, make significant decisions um, about finances and staffing and jobs and all sorts of things. Uh, the exhaustion of uncertainty. Um, some will know just the, the utter fatigue of working your contractual hours, plus doing homeschooling. Uh, and so the two squeezing the day and sleep being about four hours a night. It's exhausting. He never tires. You can't tire out the Lord. Tiring out God is like trying to chop up Mount Everest with a feather duster. It just it has no impact. It's just there. His energy is boundless. He never tires. Fourth, uh, his understanding no one can fathom. Well, the wisdom of humanity, well, you can keep that uh, just on a phone, can't you? Everything that uh, humanity knows can be accessed pretty much uh, now on a phone. God's wisdom is fathomless, unfathomable, in the sense of it's beyond us, in the sense of we can't always work it out, but he's revealed to us in the scriptures what matters, what's important. Again, you and I, the, the amount we know is really pretty limited. I mean, lots of us doing a whole stack of quizzes at the moment. Quizzes have never been so popular. There's a limit to what we know. 80% in any round, we're pretty delighted. There's no limit to his understanding. We'll never entirely understand what this all-wise God is like, apart from what he tells us. Fifth, verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. Now, how that's translated, it sounds like an activity. It's actually um, a description still of who he is. It's a participle, technically. He is the strength giver. He has such a boundless excess of energy, he can't but help pour it out to others. He's, he's like the, 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 the fountain that just bursts forth. There's no end to his energy, and he wants to share it with others. That's who he is. He's a, he is the strength giver. And again, there's always excess for you and me. Um, can you imagine, as Darth Way put it, can you imagine uh, your phone, it runs out of power, and you think, oh, I, I need, to, uh, need to get the plug and uh, plug it in to, um, to recharge it. And you do that and you plug it in and the socket on the wall turns to you and says, Oh, do you know what? I get, I get tired too. I run out of power too. 
I am exhausted too. Just give me a break. No, no. No, that never happens. There's a blackout or something like that, of course. But we just expect there always to be power to recharge our stuff. And God says, it's not irreverent, I'll recharge you. There's no limit. I have vast, endless resources of power. I'll recharge you. Do you see these contrasts between him and us? So we're locked in time. He's eternal. We're local in thinking. He's got a global vision. We grow tired. He has boundless energy. We get confused. He has fathomless. He is fathomless wisdom. We need refreshing. He's endless refreshment. He's what we need. And so if we can't work out what he's doing, or if we think he's taking too long, we do have good reasons to trust him. He's the God who never wearies. Your way is not hidden from the Lord. He cares deeply and he's got all the strength you need. So the complaint of the weary, what are you doing, God? The God who never wearies, we can trust him. So, verse 30 and 31. Let the weary wait on him. Verse 30. Uh, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Uh, even the most impressive, uh, the fittest, the strongest, they conk out uh, eventually. We watch uh, elite sportsmen, the great in their 20s, even early 30s. If you're 40, you're done. You're past it, sadly. Uh, these two words, if they have a sense of difference, tired and weary. Tired is uh, objective external hardships, weary, uh, inner resources, lacking the inner resources to keep going, to cope. Look, at the moment there are hardships and some will deal better than others. Some will keep trucking on and, and have the power to do so. Others will conk out earlier. This one, well, this God is what we need. Because even young youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but, but those who hope in the Lord, will come back to that, but those who hope in the Lord, two things will happen. They'll renew their strength, they'll soar on wings like eagles, as one pair go together, and then they'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk and not be faint, is the other pair. So the first thing is, very impressive picture, that even the exhausted will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. You know, a golden eagle, there's still got some in Scotland, I think. 2.3 metre wingspans. Oh, that's more than Nick Ashton when he goes full, full arm uh, width. That's vast, 2.3 metres. These enormous creatures, these eagles, sort of synonymous throughout history with the most impressive, powerful, resilient of birds. But the strength to soar, well, it's not theirs, is it? They soar on thermals. It's a strength given to them by the wind. I guess that's the picture here. You're exhausted, but you can have the resources to cope if God gives them to you. And the second, second pair that go together, they'll run and not grow weary, they'll walk and not be faint. What do you make of that? 
Um, seems a little bit of anticlimax after soaring on a wing like an eagle, perhaps. But I think most of life is like this. We run, sometimes. Most of the time, we walk. We just keep going. And God will give you the strength to keep on going. When you're wearied by your life, the circumstances of the world, he'll give you the strength. If you wait on him or hope in the Lord. The word is hope, verse 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Literally, most of the time, it'd be translated wait, but they're very close cousins, uh, re relations along with trust, because here is a, a wait that's hopeful. Um, not just perhaps a wait in a hospital, wait, 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 an hour late, two hours late, whatever it may be for the appointment, and you're very nervous about it. No, that, that's not good. Not a wait that just twiddles thumbs, maybe a bus will come, maybe it won't. A hopeful wait. Or a wait that hopes. Or a hope that waits. And they go together. Because that is a hope that waits. We live in the gap between the promises of God here and in the Lord Jesus and their ultimate fulfilment. When he does, Jesus does return and brings his perfect world of justice with no exhaustion such as this. That's what we're looking forward to. I find it quite hard to read these words in Isaiah 40 without thinking of words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 and 9. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a lovely expression that is. Rest for your souls. Jesus meant in the broadest sense, rest from trying to achieve salvation. He says, no, you, you can never be good enough, never be worthy enough to be saved by God, to earn a place in heaven with him. I've done it all, says Jesus, in my death and resurrection. Trust that, rest upon that, lean upon that. And then there's a freedom. But I guess beyond that, in the ongoing sense that Isaiah 40 is talking about, keep trusting Jesus. Trust that his clocks are right. He's the everlasting God outside of time. He knows when it's right to return and bring in his new creation a world of justice. Trust his timing. Trust his wisdom. Oh, he's demonstrated it the first time round when he entered our world and suffered for you and me. You can trust him. Trust this everlasting God, not constrained by time, not constrained by place, not constrained in knowledge. He's greater. Trust him. Wait for him. Hope in him. And he'll give you the inner resources you need when you just feel exhausted, keep looking to him. Let me lead us in prayer.
Our great God and Father, we thank and praise you for you are the everlasting God. You are the one of unfathomable wisdom. You are the one who never tires or gets exhausted. And we look to you. Keep us looking to you for strength to keep going. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.